go live. We are going live, ladies and gentlemen, slowly but surely. We are getting you here. We're going to be with you on YouTube. We are now live at YouTube on the Comedy Schools channel for our subscribers there. We're going to want to build that up. Uh, we are live on Comedy Schools or Radio Network.com where you can listen to us. And now we are going to see if we can go live on Facebook Live, which was having uh, some um, issues I heard earlier. But right now we are on live on Facebook Live. <clears throat> we came on just a minute early so we can begin to ramp up for uh, our friends and family and listeners and viewers uh, as they come popping on. Uh, if you're going to watch this uh, after it's finished, you can watch it later on today or tomorrow, whatever. Uh, I'll just say this to you now. Kind of make it, if you can, put it in your schedule, your schedule, that uh, I will be on 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time every day. Because some of you pop on uh, at the end of the day at like uh, 2.20 or 2.30 or something. And I'm going to wrap up then. And I feel bad because then I'm not able to. Uh, hello, H.M. Roland. I'm not able to um, uh, communicate with you effectively. I will uh, take your questions and uh, converse with you as you text things into Facebook Live. We eventually want to be able to do that on YouTube as well. Shirley is monitoring monitoring uh, the Comedy Schools Radio Network.com uh, feed. So if you have any questions at all, uh, feel free to type them in and I will do my best to say uh, hi to you or to get back with you. Tim Lawson is watching. Uh, Tim says, I'm here on time finally. Yeah, you are. You are. You're, one of, you're, you're here on time, man. So we got you. We're starting to uh, build up a little group here on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and for a lot of people, Sunday is now no different than Monday. Monday is no different than Tuesday. But for a lot of people, and I was talking with uh, my good friend and a very funny comic, Rich Scheidner, uh, just before we came on the air here. And I was telling him that there are so many people I know who uh, right now... Right now, this is a hello, Trey Goodman. Hello, Shirley Visick. Uh, right now, they're having to, uh, hello, Nick Rupert. They're having to work uh, twice as hard, you know, and I know it's wearing a lot of people out. Uh, almost everyone I know who is a teacher, and that includes me, although I'm totally a private business, which has its uh, pluses and minuses, but everyone who is a teacher is having to work so much harder right now as they reconfigure what they do into a, an, a totally online uh, portal. So uh, for those of you, man, my heart goes out to you. Uh, but here we are, man. We made it another day. We made it to another afternoon. We're doing good. Uh, count this as your daily distraction every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time from uh, whatever uh, woes you may have. Hello, Lauren Molliver up in Canada. Uh, and uh, I just had a real big noise just come through the uh, headphones here. Okay. All right. It's all right. So, uh, yeah, you can kind of see this room. You can see it really well on uh, YouTube. And uh, it wasn't really designed. Uh, it's not really designed. It's organically grown somehow. Uh, Shirley is actually taking, because every day I show you some other knickknack or novelty that I have here in this little room. And she's actually grabbed some away from me and put them back into their original position because she said I'm starting to turn into a pack rat, just, follow, uh, just, uh, uh, just uh, surrounded by uh, collectibles and weird things. Uh, so, but every day we show you something new or different or interesting or weird that I have here, uh, that I've surrounded myself with over the years that I've bought, uh, uh, on, at auctions or online, uh, memorabilia or at garage sales. 
And, so I, and, I, and we talk about a couple of albums. We do that. And, of course, anything that you would like to talk about. Okay? Anything that you would like to talk about. One of my big food issues right now is we don't really have a food issue. We have plenty of food. But uh, I kind of looked downstairs um, right before I came up. I go, I just need a little snack. But we're not buying a lot of snack stuff. You know? And since we're not, Hello, Chris Bennett. Uh, Lauren Molliver says in Canada, it is snow, cold, and gray here. It is uh, uh, warm and sunny in uh, here in southern Arizona, uh, but very pleasant. Uh, took the dog out for a walk today for close to an hour, and uh, pleasant. It was nice out. There was a weird thing that happened when I was out on the walk today, and let me, let me talk to you about that before I get these uh, little items I want to show you just for fun. Um, we have a large park here in uh, the uh, master planned community where I live. Uh, and it's a very pretty park. And it has, of course, a, uh, uh, an artificial lake. You know, a lake that, you know that most of the lakes in the United States are artificial. I don't know if you know that or not. There's not a lot of natural lakes. But we have an artificial lake with a waterfall that goes under a little bridge. It's really pretty. But it's, you, it's, uh, it's uh, recycled water. So recycled water is is treated but not treated as much as a drinking water if drinking water is treated at all uh, and i think it's odd of course that we'll trust something we buy in a plastic bottle at a store uh, over what's in the tap so even though the water in a plastic bottle is oftentimes is less regulated than the water that comes out of the tap but that's a different conversation the lake is recycled water there are signs up that say there's fish in the lake the fish are primarily there to uh, they're the type of fish that eat mosquitoes uh, a mosquito larvae off the water, they're designed to keep mosquitoes down. It's a pretty good little system. It looks pretty. It has a fake waterfall that is ran by uh, um, a pump, all right? Uh, there's, a, uh, there's an above area where there's like little pools and then a waterfall that drops down into a lake. And I'll put up a picture of it later on on my Facebook or you can find it on my Facebook. But you're not supposed to eat the fish, nor are you supposed, definitely not supposed to drink it. And you're not supposed to play in it. But today, as I'm out walking Roscoe, I go by and there's like four kids and they're in the water in one of the little ponds. You know what? I don't blame them. When I was a kid, I used to swim in creeks all the time. We used to swim in lakes all the time, you know. And we were just because we uh, out in the country, out in House Springs, Missouri. And we would just go, we'd be out just walking down a creek and there'd be a large pool of water. You know, we go, let's just jump in it and swim. Let's just jump in it and swim. Hello, Paul Navarra. You be well, too. How are things in New York, sir? How are you faring in New York? Please let us know what's going on there. Hello, Randy. Hello, David, John. A couple of guys. A couple of guys are on right now. Randy Ioma uh, uh, and uh, David Van Winkle, who also goes by David John, will be doing a Zoom show with us April 17th. April 17th. If you would like to be uh, in the audience for that show with us on Zoom, Zoom, make sure you send me your email so that I can add you so you'll be able to experience this. And I'm going to get back to what that show is going to look like in a minute. Anyway, these kids were swimming in the water. And uh, I just, I could, I go, hey, you guys, you know, it's, it's dirty water. And I said, hey, you guys, um, you know that that's dirty water. And they look at me and go, what? I go, it's, uh, uh, it's dirty water. I go, it's poop water. And they all kind of look at me. I go, I go, the water's not treated. It's recycled water. You might get sick. And they looked at me and the, older, the oldest girl, and they got like their hair. The oldest girl and her brother, I guess, they got their hair like dyed bright red. She goes, I don't care. I don't care. I like poop water. I swim poop water all the time. And I was walking away. I heard one of the kids go, is it poop water? She goes, does it look like that old man? That old man's crazy. Crazy old man. And I go, wow. I, you know, and I thought, what am I going to do? 
I mean, only so much that I can do. I hope they don't get sick. I get why they're in the water. There's always concerns that it'll damage uh, the liner uh, to the lake, that sort of thing. But uh, wow, of all the things I can deal with, but that one girl going, I don't care. I like poop water. I swim in the ocean. Ocean's got poop in it. So uh, that was, that was uh, I don't know, some days it doesn't pay to go outside. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Tim Lawson. We had great swimming holes there in uh, House Springs, down in Heads Creek, and all the little creeks down there. We lived in an area, Tim and I, in House Springs, Missouri, where there were little tiny creeks. There was uh, Heads Creek, uh, and Heads Creek uh, emptied into, uh, uh, God, it emptied into the Big River, and the Big River emptied into the Merrimack, and the Merrimack emptied into the Mississippi. One day when I was a little, one time when I was a little kid, uh, me and two other guys said we were going to run away from home, and we were going to go to New Orleans. I forget whose idea that was. It wasn't mine. New Orleans wasn't on my schedule in those days when I was about 12. But we decided that we were going to float all the way down to the Mississippi like Tom Sawyer or Mark Twain. And we took an unattended boat down the river, and uh, we made it about four or five miles. And then it got cold, it got dark, and we were worried about floating the, uh, the boat in the dark. And we were worried about the people whose uh, boat it actually was coming looking for us. So we went walking down the road, and then we saw a farmhouse off in the distance. And we were cold and wet and hungry, and we'd been gone about 10, 12 hours. And we went and knocked on this farmer's door and went, Hey, mister, we, we ran away. The police are probably looking for us. Can we use your phone so they'll come get us and take us home? And that was our 12-hour runaway Tom Sawyer Huckleberry Finn excursion. But, yes, we had great swimming souls. Could swim in the big river. Could swim in all the lakes. Lake uh, uh, Weber Hill Lake was a, a regular stop off. So a lot of cool things going on up there. Uh, I've lost some people talking about swimming in, in, uh, in House Springs. I don't blame you. So let's get to the knick-knack paddywhacks and the music. All right, here's uh, today's knick-knack. There we go, a little different. You see that? Do you see that, YouTube friends? Oh, yeah, it's still good. Okay, yeah, I'm going to turn it on this way so you don't see the sticker. There we go. There we go. What is this? This is a teeny tiny Lassie lunchbox. A teeny tiny Lassie lunchbox. And it has, uh, that's June Lock Lockhart, one of the many dogs that played Lassie. And uh, I forget the kid's name, but I think a couple of kids played Lassie. But Lassie was an immensely popular. It wasn't Billy Mummy. It's certainly not Billy Mummy on the, um, Shirley's going to look up who played, um, uh, who played uh, uh, Timmy on a Lassie. So Lassie was the show that opened up. Its theme song was a whistle. <laughs> Not really whistling today. That's a terrible whistle. Um, and um, every episode, and they lived out like on a farmhouse in a ranch-style home. It's very idyllic. And uh, every episode, uh, Lassie seemed like help rescue someone. That became the running joke for so many comics over the years, going, how can they tell what the dog's saying just by a bark? Lassie comes running up and goes, arf, arf. We go, what's that, Lassie? Timmy's in the well. Oh, no. But uh, it was a very, I think it started, as, it started out as a book, and then it was a movie, and then a long-running tell. Uh, a guy named Timmy Martin played uh, Timmy. No, John Provost. John Provost. A guy named John Provost. Can you tell us about John Provost, Shirley? What, uh, do you don't have to. Um, so anyway, Lassie was immensely popular. I liked watching it very much when I was... All right, all right, we're trying to find information on John Provost. 
But John Provost played Timmy on uh, Lassie for many, many years. Uh, when I was a little kid, H.M. Uh, uh, Rowland said, Red Skelton did a ton of Lassie jokes. Yes, he did. Everybody made fun of it. It was warm, cuddly, lovable, soft, furry show, feel-good show. Uh, and when I was little, I enjoyed it very much. And not too long ago, I was out. And at a yard sale, I found this miniature Lassie lunchbox. I don't know what the hell you're supposed to. You can't fit a full ha uh, sandwich in there. Maybe a, maybe a Dan Hansen prop comic sandwich. Dan Hansen is a friend of ours. He's a comic here in Phoenix. And one day I walked into a workshop and he was eating a sandwich and I made fun of, uh, I made fun of uh, his sandwich. Uh, that's right, Peggy. Peggy uh, Brindle put up, Lassie is Timmy in the well. That's right. We were just talking about that. That. All right, uh, so John Provost, who played, uh, who played Timmy on Lassie, was a veteran actor by the age of seven. By the age of seven. Um, I found this lunchbox. Uh, theoretically, before all this happened, now it's only worth what it, it's worth to me, which is kind of a warm feeling in my heart. This thing, I got it for a dollar. I got it for a dollar, and uh, I saw it on eBay for up to 50 bucks. I don't know if we'll get back to that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think we'll get back to uh, memorabilia, uh, swag, autographs, uh, actually have some sort of monetary value? Are we going to be uh, able to do that? I don't know. I don't know. I never collected things for their, um, uh, for their financial growth. Tells you a lot about me. I collected them because uh, they made me feel good, and I just like to have them, as I did with that Lassie lunchbox. Uh, Arthur Belkind says, Lassie sucked. Rin Tin Tin was the real deal. Um, Arthur, um, I disagree. Uh, I liked Rin Tin Tin, but I grew up with Lassie. So uh, I'm not going to say that Rin Tin Tin sucked. Okay, if you liked it, fantastic. Okay, I like Lassie. I think we are at a point now as a society, Arthur, where we should just let people like what they like without uh, interjecting our, uh, our two cents on it. You know, so... Um, I know like, we were talking about this the other day. No matter what you do, uh, someone's not going to like it. We were talking about Bob Dylan and uh, even with the incredible accomplishments musically uh, and uh, um, as a form of literature, too, with his lyrics that he has uh, achieved. There's a lot of people who don't like him, you know, so uh, and that's fine. You don't like him. You don't like him. You know, I learned a long time ago as a kid. I've, I've loved the Grateful Dead since I was uh, a little boy. I was about 12, 13 years old. And um, they uh, provoke strong reactions from a lot of people. Uh, and I eventually learned not to engage in those types of conversations. People went, dead man, you're but fucking losers. I go, all right, fine. You know, I'm not gonna, I can't convince them. It's a matter of taste. You like oftentimes what you grew up with. You, you like the things that made you feel good. I like Lassie. Arthur likes Rin Tin Tin. Hold on. I'm getting some information here. He quit on his own because he was 14 and he didn't like being referred to Little Tim. Oh, John Provost. John Provost left the TV show Lassie when he was 14 because he got tired of being referred to as a Little Timmy. Now, I could be wrong. I could be right. But a million years ago... Uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, I was in a play and the director took me over to do a public access television show. And 
I believe that on the show right before me was John Provost. And it was kind of a small show. It was a public access show in Los Angeles. Uh, not a lot of people, if any, uh, watched it. But uh, I believe someone going, that's Timmy from Lassie, man. So, uh, and I remember he was just kind of a, a, a weird cat at that point. Uh, hello, Ian Benoit. I hope I'm saying that right. Arthur Belkind says, Bob Dylan likes Lassie too. That's what he says. So um, there we go. There we go. Uh, uh, Cousin Mimi said that was a long time ago. Hello, Bree Kempel. Let's get to the music. Let's get to the records we're going to talk about today, okay? So I got a few here. I was doing this thing for a long time, and it was about five years ago, called If It's Sunday, It Must Be Sinatra. Uh, work was pretty stressful, although uh, I would trade for those days now. Uh, work was pretty stressful. I worked a lot. Um, and then on Sunday, I still had to do some work, but I was looking to relax, and uh, I had ended up with about 40, 20 to 40. I haven't counted them. Be honest, I haven't counted them. I'll count them. It'll probably come to that. I'm going to count how many Frank Sinatra records I actually own. I own a bunch of them. Uh, some of them uh, were given to me. A few I bought, but a lot of them were given to me. So uh, here we are. Look at that album. Look at that. Okay, that is classic. That is classic mid-20th century America. That is a Frank Sinatra, and it's a Capitol Records uh, recording. It says recording in high-fidelity recording, and the name of the album is No One Cares. Uh, I'm looking to see now to see, and I just grabbed this. Of all the Frank Sinatra records I have, I just grabbed this. No One Cares, A Cottage for a Smile, Stormy Weather. Don't know why there ain't no... Sun out in the sky, stormy weather. Uh, I don't stand a ghost of a chance with you. Here's that rainy day. I can get started. Why did try to change me now? Just friends. I'll never smile again would have been the big hit. I'll never smile again. And then, of course, uh, none but the lonely heart. So I'm looking to see if I can see what year this album came out. And I don't have it, but it's obviously kind of mid-career. It's mid-career for him. Uh, Cousin Mimi said your parents played Frank all the time. Yes, they did. Him, Frankie Valley, and the Four Seasons my parents loved. Sonny and Cher they loved. Uh, Fontella Bass, who sang Rescue Me. So on the back it says, No one cares. Frank Sinatra sings ballads in a lonely mood with rich backgrounds by arranger conductor Gordon Jenkins. So uh, it's kind of an unusual album because uh, that wasn't his normal... Um, that wasn't his normal uh, conductor arranger. Uh, and I actually knew the uh, son of uh, uh, Don Costa was a, uh, uh, late in Frank Sinatra's career, was a um, uh, composer arranger for Frank Sinatra. And I worked with his son at a bar called uh, Mom Saloon in Brentwood, California. Uh, normally he was working with uh, Nelson Riddle. Nelson Riddle. H.M. Rowland says this album, ladies and gentlemen, Came out in 1959. So if you know anything about Frank Sinatra, you know by that point, uh, he was in uh, difficult, uh, diet, difficult straits. Uh, he'd been deeply in love with Ava Gardner, and she had left him. Uh, his career was kind of going on the skids. Uh, he then threw all of his effort and energy behind the Kennedy, uh, the Kennedy campaign and even arranged for a big gala and paid for all, even though someone said, I don't know why he's doing this. He's flat broke because he was always a gambler because he was he was the quintessential 20th century American. Incredible voice. Sounds effortless when he sings. 
I encourage you, if you've never listened to Frank Sinatra, uh, listen to Frank Sinatra. Start out, if you're going to Google or YouTube Frank Sinatra, you never listen. Uh, start out with uh, uh, I've Got You Under My Skin, which is his version of a great old Cole Porter tune. And then go to uh, Summer Wind. Uh, go, it was a very good year. Uh, the list goes on and on. You can get into his later career with songs like Something Stupid. Um, uh, I don't know if I've already mentioned World on a String. Sitting on a rainbow. Got that string around my finger. What a world. What a life. I'm in love. Not very political ever in any of his stuff. Started out uh, in the 40s uh, as a uh, singer for um, uh, Harry James. And I didn't think Tommy Dorsey. And then went on his own. The story always was, uh, if you know the movie The Godfather, that um, the singer in The Godfather that character and the uh, situation that takes place is based on Frank Sinatra. Frank always denied it. Uh, uh, many people denied it that uh, Ava Gar that uh, Sam Giancana uh, uh, pleaded with, uh, I believe, Harry Cohn at Columbia Pictures to uh, put him in from here to eternity, and it resurrected his career with a, uh, uh, a nomination for an Academy Award. I don't know if anybody remembers if he got the Academy Award. The other uh, story is that Ava Gardner who was at the top of her game at the time, went to the head of the studio and goes, please put him in a movie. He's driving me nuts. But it resurrected his career. And then, of course, in the 60s, he became 60s, the 70s, the 80s, this, uh, the legendary Frank Sinatra. At one point in the 40s, he was made fun of by older people the way Justin Bieber is today. So um, next album we got that we're going to talk about right here. This is a little... Uh, we're going to go with this, and this is not an album cover. This is an inner sleeve. Uh, it's just an inner sleeve because I don't have the album cover to this. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is the inner sleeve for the incredible double-sided album uh, Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones. So we've gone from Frank Sinatra to the Rolling Stones. This is uh, side three and four. Side three and four has happy, which is uh, I need love to keep me happy. Turd on the run, ventilator blues. I just want to see his face. Let it loose. Side four has all down the line. Stop breaking down. Shine a light and soul survivor. If you are um, this. Oh, hold on. We're going to uh, we got a sidebar here. This day in 1923, Louis Armstrong recorded his first tune. The first jazz recording as well. In Richmond, Indiana, five miles from my house. It was Chimes Blues on the Gennett label trivia. Yeah, yeah, you know, I read something about that today, but today was the first day Louis Armstrong ever recorded anything. What a fabled career there. Uh, thank you for that, HM. Getting back to the Stones. Uh, this is the album. Once again, both of the, this album too came out at a time when the Rolling Stones were at a crossroads. Uh, the reason that this uh, album is called Exile on Main Street, they literally had to move out of England because uh, they were so far behind in taxes. They'd had a terrible manager who had stolen all their money, once again, almost flat broke, and then put out the album that didn't define them for the rest of their career and put them back on top. It took them from the sort of 60s teen idol uh, power pop phenomena they were, even though they was always kind of a dark, edgy uh, band as opposed to the Beatles. But all those uh, like number one top, uh, top 10 or top 10 hits to being the kings of album-oriented rock. So, Exile on Main Street in 1972 or 73. And I forget which year. Some year I think it's 71. 
well, more likely 72 or 73. The Rolling Stones came to St. Louis, Missouri, supporting this album. Uh, first show immediately sold out. No chance of getting tickets. And then they added a second afternoon show. And I snagged two, count them, two tickets to see the Rolling Stones. And I took my, uh, my beloved younger brother, Jerry, with me. So we got to go see the Rolling Stones. Their opening act was none other than Stevie Wonder. And it was a concert that I'll never forget. First, I was a little bummed because they weren't playing Satisfaction and they weren't playing, um, um, you know, uh, any of those hits, you know. But they played Tumbling Dice, which is a big hit from Exile on Main Street. It's still one of my favorite songs to this day. For many years, it was my walk-on music as a comic, you know, because it's got that great riff on the guitar, that bend of the strings, and then that uh, snare drum hit. So um, I saw them in support of this album with Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder as their opening act. And I took my brother Jerry, and to this day, it is uh, something that he and I still talk about and remember from our childhood, something that will always stay with us. So those are the two albums. Uh, I show you these albums. I show you the trivia stuff in case any of it grabs your attention and you want to talk about it. But I also show you these albums so that if you've never listened to any of this music before, if it's, uh, you know, if it just wasn't your thing, or if you're younger, and you're going, eh, you know, that was my parents' music. I felt that way about people like Frank Sinatra. I felt that way about uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and uh, Little Richard. And I felt that way about uh, Hank Williams. And I felt that way about, and when I got older, I began to delve into these artists, whoever, who were like before my time, or artists I hadn't paid attention to, and found much, much, much musical love. So if you never listened before, uh, check them out. Check out Exile on Main Street. I think you can find it on YouTube or Google. And check out Frank Sinatra. But start, start with uh, uh, I've Got You Under My Skin. That's where I start with Frank Sinatra. All right. Okay. If nobody has anything you want to talk about, you're all here. We're all saying hi and stuff. I love each and every one of you. Glad you joined me today. We do this every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So if you're looking for your daily distraction from everything that's going on in the world, if you're looking to be able to breathe a little bit, uh, come on on here. And if you're on Facebook Live, shoot me a question or make a comment. I would gl I'd be glad to join you uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, have, a, have an exchange with you, okay? That's it. I'm going to wrap up today. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to have a little lunch and I'm going to do a little yard work. That's what I'm going to do. Have a little lunch, do a little yard work. Uh, by the way, if you ever thought about doing a workshop, now just might be the time. And, you know, and right as we're leaving, Eric Snyder pops on. Hello, Eric. We were just talking about Frank Sinatra, and we talked about Tano Costa, who worked with you and I at uh, Mom's Saloon in the 80s. But I got to go now, Eric. So please try to come on at 2 p.m. So that you, um, uh, let's see, uh, Cousin Mimi says, you and Shirley stay well. That's the thing, guys. Tune in at 2 p.m., only 30 minutes, 2 to 2.30. Okay, and then we roll out. Okay, I got to have lunch. I got to do yard work. I got to do things. Shirley and I are hanging in. We're creating, uh, we're creating new joys in our new reality. That's what you want to do. Create new joys in your new reality. All right? God bless each and every one of you. Uh, Eric says, saw Frank many times with Rickles opening classic. That is fantastic. Eric, we'll talk about it more tomorrow because we got to run now. My name is Tony Vizic. You've been watching on YouTube on the Comedy Schools channel and on Facebook Live. And on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, you've been listening to Living on a Thin Line. Goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Bye-bye.
Oh, I always forget about you guys over here on YouTube. I apologize.